Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, and nana to six, and homeschooling mom for over 24 years. I am so glad that you've joined me today. I'm going to be talking about the unhurried family. I know, right? It almost seems ironic in a world that is just whirling faster and faster and faster. It seems as though it's impossible. But this is the beauty of homeschooling, you guys, is we have the opportunity to slow down and to be that unhurried family for many very good reasons that I'm going to share with you today. But before I get started, I want to uh, remind you that I have a little book called The Unhurried Homeschooler. If you haven't checked that out, um, it is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and you can find that on Amazon. I also have a devotional that I wrote, especially for homeschooling moms. It's called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can also find that on Amazon. I also am in, in the podcast notes. I'm going to be leaving... Uh, a link of the places that I'm going to be speaking uh, during the conference season in 2020. I'm very excited because I'm going to be in quite a number of different places, and I'm hoping that some of you will come to these conferences and meet me in person. I would love to get to know you. I'd love to hug your neck and just see you face to face because that's the best. That's the best ever. So today. Um, I'm going to be, like I said before, talking to you about the unhurried family. Now, I kind of have to back up just a little bit um, and just give you a little bit of background if some of you don't know. Uh, when I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler, uh, th this was about four years ago, and I didn't write it because I wanted to write it or I even thought about writing. It was my idea. That's what I'm trying to say. It was my husband's idea. We were on a weekend away together and we were just riding in the car and it was quiet and we hadn't been talking about really anything. And all of a sudden out of the blue, he said, I think you should write a book. And I said, on what exactly? I started laughing first because I thought he was joking. Um, and he said, I think you should write a book on homeschooling. And I said, aren't there enough books out there on homeschooling? Because, you know, I was one of those moms who got overwhelmed easily by all the different resources that were out there. So I didn't want to be that person putting another resource out there that was just going to overwhelm moms. And so I'm sharing this with my husband and I'm saying, besides who would really want to know anything about our homeschooling? It was so simple and straightforward and blah, blah, blah. And my husband said, that's exactly why you should write it. So I did. Um, I actually took a few months to think about and pray about it first, but eventually um, I wrote that little book and it has actually been far more far reaching than I could have ever imagined. And it's not because it, you know, I, I had all these great ideas or I'm such a wonderful writer. I believe it's because it resonates with the hearts of moms and with the hearts of parents for their kids. We want our kids to have a childhood. We want to let our kids be who God made them to be. And even as homeschoolers, we can find ourselves trying to put our kids in a box and um, figure everything out and um, feel like we have to have everything figured out. And, and, and God has a journey for us that is so much more interesting and adventuresome and faith-building than just trying to figure everything out. So 
today I'm going to kind of launch into um, some thoughts on what it looks like um, to be an unhurried family and why it's important. Pastor Mark Buchanan shared in his book, The Rest of God, he said this, someone asked me recently, what was my biggest regret in life? I thought a moment, surveying the vast and cluttered landscape of my blunders and losses, the evil I have done and the evil that's been done against me. Being in a hurry, I said. Pardon? Being in a hurry, getting to the next thing without fully entering the thing in front of me. I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry, but a thousand broken and missed things, tens of thousands lie in the wake of all that rushing. Through all that haste, I thought I was making up time, and it turns out I was throwing it away. So today, I'm going to share with you our story. First, just a little background on my husband and I. We're both actually type A personalities. So the fact that we took a more unhurried approach with our kids, I can tell you is really a God thing. But it re- what it really reveals is that we serve a big God who is always moving and working on our behalf, bringing his good plans into being for our families if we will take the time to slow down and listen for his still small voice. So I want to preface this by saying that when um, I talk about being unhurried, I'm not saying that we or our kids should never have to work within time constraints. That just isn't realistic. But as homeschoolers, we have the opportunity to create a loving, nurturing environment in a home that facilitates real learning. But we have to be intentional, and being intentional requires thought and That requires time. So let's start out by talking about what I really mean by unhurried. Well, the best best definition I can give is to, to give the definition of hurry. So it is the opposite of this, the opposite of hurry, which is rushed, caused to move with great haste, to do or finish something too quickly. In other words, when we're talking about rushed, we're talking about crammed schedules, frenetic mindset, anxiety, tension, tension in relationships. Essentially, we become a slave to our perception of efficiency. The underlying belief is that the quicker I get through this, the more that I can get done. Right? That's what my husband would often say. Well, if I do this faster, then I can get more done. And we'd have conversations about that. But what happens is we become a slave to our schedule. We become a slave to material things. We become a slave to what other people think, to comparisons. And even for our husbands, you know, it can be worrying about provision, you know, that becoming a slave to that. Now, God has created them to provide, but just like He created us to nurture, we can begin to um, become out of 
balance with that, where we begin to worship that instead of the creator. And we begin to um, strive in um, trying to be the best mom, strive in trying to be the best provider. And so this becomes, you know, this, this idea of striving is really what, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about hurrying. It's, it's not just an outward thing. It's an inward thing. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that's going on in your heart. And often it's rooted in fear. We're afraid we're going to miss something. We're afraid we're not going to measure up. We're afraid we're going to disappoint. We're afraid we're not going to be enough. We're afraid we're not going to get it all done. We're afraid we're not going to get it all figured out. These are all fears that we, that we often will make decisions based on, and we all know that it's never wise to make decisions based on fear, but it can also be the thing that drives us to hurry. Like I said, and not necessarily in our actions, but in our hearts, we can be preoccupied all the time, not engaged and not present. So let's talk about why it is important for us to slow down as a family. My husband used to say every now and then, so what is so wrong about being in a hurry? You know, well, you know, I would have to remind him that uh, there are times that 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 hurrying that he would participate in would cause him to sort of like mow over the children and and he would get to that goal and I would look at him and say okay now I'd like you to turn around and look at the carnage that you left behind because do you, you know recognize that that hurry actually cost you something and he'd have to do the same thing for me because I could do the exact same thing it's so important for us to go back to God's word Jesus actually had something to say about this. So what he has to say, he's speaking in the context of money in this particular um, passage, but I believe he meant for that principle to apply to anything that competes with loving and serving God above all. So in other words, it lines up with the whole of scripture to believe that um, that he's not just talking about money here. He's using it as an example, but the principle is the same across the board. And the verse that I'm talking about is uh, in Luke 16, 24 to 31, that passage. And the reason that being unhurried and slowing down as a family is important is because of this. No, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And because I believe this this principle applies across the board, you could also say you cannot serve God and be enslaved to what my neighbor thinks. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to, um, you know, performance-driven education. You know, you can insert anything into that because we were created to be a slave or servant of Christ. That is our that is our first and foremost calling. So, I want to read to you um, 
so that, that passage that I just read, I'm not sure that that was out of Luke. I just realized that the passage I'm about to leave is out of Luke. Oh, yes, actually it is. Okay, never mind. Here I am. I'm back. I've got my brain back together. So here it is. The no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Then he goes on to say, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more important than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and gone, uh, and tomorrow they're thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about today, or don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't you love that? He's given you all of these reasons why you can trust and why it's not wise to serve two masters and why you cannot serve two masters. I just love that. I love this ver- this part of verse 32 where it says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We're called apart. We're set apart. We're called to be different than the world, to be different than unbelievers. So we don't need to have these things dominating our thinking. But he gives us the reason why. Because your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And then he says, your responsibility is to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And this is why you don't have to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So what is Jesus saying in all of this? I honestly believe, and I can hear it just so clearly, he is giving us permission to be present. And he's giving us all the reasons why. The main reason is because he is taking care of us. As homeschooling moms, we can just be running and running and running and racing. And I remember a friend of mine, another homeschooling mom who struggled with this like I did sometimes, and her husband would just stop and ask her, who are you racing? It was a good question. Who are we racing? Because if God's telling us we can be, Jesus is telling us and giving us permission to be present, why are we racing anybody? Being in a hurry keeps us from being present and engaged. And that's my second point. Why is it important to slow down? Number one, that no one can serve two masters. And number two, 
being in a hurry keeps us from being present and engaged. I remember when my husband and I um, decided to homeschool that one of the things that we was really important to us is we wanted to spend time with our kids. We wanted to disciple them. And we felt like if we sent them to school for that many hours a week, we could not disciple them the way that that God was calling us to. So to us, it was a clear decision. And one of the things that um, sort of confirmed that for us was uh, the passage in Deuteronomy. It says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must serve and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on, on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Don't you love that? This is, this is God telling us to be engaged with our kids. He's telling us this part where it says, repeat to them again and repeat these principles to your children again and again and talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Can you just sense the discipleship here? And you can also sense the unhurried pace in this particular verse. When you listen to this, do you hear a rushed, frenetic, crazy pace? No. What do we hear? We hear an unhurried heart with time to be intentional and time to delight in who God made our kids. God wants us to enjoy our kids, but I guarantee you, you will not enjoy them fully if you are in a constant hurry. So, like I mentioned before, one of the reasons that we wanted um, to homeschool was to be able to spend that time with our kids. We wanted to um, our family's daily life to be subject to some not be subject to someone else's priorities. We wanted to be able to decide how we spent our time together as a family. We wanted to disciple them. Education is never neutral. Education isn't just about the books. Education is discipleship. Discipleship is rooted in relationships, and relationships take time. And this, moms, is the beauty of homeschooling. My husband said, there are so many wonderful, teachable moments on the way to learning something else. And I love that because this is coming from what I call, I call him the destination man. He's all about the goal. He's all about the vision. He's all about getting to the goal and the vision. And here he, say, he is saying, there are so many wonderful, teachable moments on the way to learning something else. And what ha- ends up happening, moms, is you know we make our plans, but God directs our steps. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. There's nothing wrong with saying, okay, these are the things that I feel like we're supposed to accomplish today as a family. I believe that these are uh, the heart, this is the heartbeat 
um, that God has for our family. So we're going to try to walk that out today, but we hold it loosely and we understand that we are depending on Jesus to show us how to walk in unforced rhythms of grace. So when a hiccup comes along in our day, we step back and we say, okay, Lord, is this something we need, an obstacle we just, we need to overcome? Is it, that's trying that you know is trying to derail us is going to actually end up derailing us from what you want or is this actually the destination for right now? Because what happens is a lot of times you know you'll have that child who you know you start out doing a certain topic or maybe you're working with one child and the other um, has a little bit of time reading a book or something and they get super uh, engaged in this book on dinosaurs and they're so excited about it and they can't stop talking about it and they're showing you all kinds of things but it's really time for them to move on to their math. My suggestion is if at all possible just stay there with them and let them ride that teachable moment out because they are learning more in that self-directed, self-led time of learning than they will ever learn in that math lesson that you're going to try to show them. Because timing is everything. We know that forced learning isn't real learning. So again, we have this plan, we make our plan, but God directs our steps. So again, we've got this this sort of destination in mind, but we're understanding that there are wonderful teachable moments on the way. Because we, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm much for I'm quite a ways down this 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 journey of homeschooling. Twenty four years into it, looking back, and I'm telling you right now um, that. There was more learned in the journey. It was so much more about the journey than it was about the destination. So just bear that in mind as you're walking out these days and ask God to give you a heart of wisdom and he will to know whether something needs to just be you know, overcome and you need to move forward or whether it's time to stop and, and engage in the thing that's happening in the moment. So my husband um, has shared with me before his disdain for SRA reading. I don't know if any of you guys know what that is. You may be uh, too young, but back in the day when we were in school, um, I don't even remember what SRA stand, uh, SRAs stood for again, but it had to do with these, there was this filing system at, at, at school in, a, in the classroom and you would pull out this little pamphlet and you would read on a certain topic and then you would answer questions and it was typically timed and it was on things that, I mean, seriously, a lot of them we just weren't interested in and we typically didn't get to choose our topic. He hated those things and it actually killed his love of reading. To this day, he's almost 60 years old and he is not a reader. And I, th- I think that this is part of part of, this was foundational to sort of making or breaking his love of learning. You know, just, and I want you to think about that environment, that classroom environment, that timed environment, the topics aren't interesting. Um, they're not something that is, you know, initiated by um, the child. Now I want you to compare that to the kind of environment that we can create in our homes. Cozy reading spot, soft music, conversations, making memories together, storytelling. We're physically close. You guys, you don't know what that means to our kids, especially in the younger years. 
when we have them literally physically close to us while we're reading to them or we're doing their math together and we're sitting close to them, there are all kinds of little connectors that are connected um, because just from that physical, uh, that physical touch. And so all of that, um, that whole scenario creates just a beautiful learning environment, a place where our kids feel safe, secure, where they don't feel hurried, they don't feel rushed, but they can actually enjoy the learning process. And what happens is they end up with good memories associated um, with learning experiences in the foundational years, which is very, very, very uh, crucial um, to the to their growing up years and as they go into higher learning, if they associate positive feelings with it, I'm telling you, it's that's how you grow lifelong learners. I was uh, reading out loud a, a book to our son a while back. Um, he was 14 at the time. I was reading The Cross and the Switchblade with him. And I posted this on Facebook and I, I, I just want to read it to you because it really just um, gives such a beautiful picture of this sort of unhurried um, approach to uh, family life and to homeschooling. Over the course of a couple of days, as our 14-year-old and I finished reading The Cross and the Switchblade together, we've covered the topics of rape, narcotic addiction, certain terms associated with drug use, the real ramifications of drug use and gang activity, along with the redeeming love of Christ that can break every chain and bring transformation and new life. As we read out loud, I got to see our son's responses to each of these topics. I had the privilege of being able to take the time to have a conversation with him about each one. It was neither too much nor too little for him because I could gauge my words accordingly so that the conversation was most effective and a good fit for him. Moments like these, moms, can be completely missed at worst or only partially enjoyed at best if we are in a hurry. So the third reason that being unhurried is important is that it builds our faith because it teaches us to enjoy the journey and trust God for the outcome. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't you just love that? God is faithful. We know his name. We trust in him. We know that he will not forsake us. Therefore, we can slow down and we can be engaged with our kids because we trust him with all of our heart. And we're not depending on our own understanding. See, here's the thing. That passage actually goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, for this will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's actually physiological effects, 
health benefits to trusting Him and not being wise in our own eyes. The world is telling us, you gotta get it all done. You gotta do this. And they're always, always, always adding to our burden. The enemy is always adding and making things burdensome. But that is not who God is and that is not what God has for us. He, His desire for us is to teach us how to take a real rest and to teach us how to walk in unforced rhythms of grace. So let's take a minute and talk about what are some of the ways we can embrace a more unhurried family life. Well, I think the first thing is just to be honest about our fears, to tell ourselves the truth and pray over those fears. It's wise to take some time to write down the things that you're afraid of. Whenever you find yourself in a hurry, take time, hit the pause button. You know, I mean, sometimes you can't do that in the moment, but make sure that you take note, make a note to yourself that you need to sit down and write down the things that you're afraid of. Or if you can in the moment, just be thinking of them. Maybe you're driving in the car and you're feeling anxious and you're feeling rushed. Stop and do a heart check. And ask yourself, what is it I'm afraid of right now? And then, then pray about that fear. Give it to the Lord. My husband read a book years ago called Telling Yourself the Truth. And that was his main takeaway, was just be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself about your fears. Address those fears with God's word and common sense. Every single fear can be addressed in prayer and you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will direct you because it said right up there in Proverbs 3 that I just read, seek his will in all you do and he will tell you which, which path to take. He's saying, do this first, acknowledge me and I will show you exactly what to do. And in James 1, it also says, um, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. We don't want to be unstable, moms. We want to put our full trust in him trusting in him with all of our heart and not leaning on our own understanding of how things should be. You know, the scripture also says that, you know, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways, but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And doesn't that all make sense? He's the creator. We're the, we're the creation. We're made to serve him. We're made to love him. He knows how we function best. He's the one who's gonna show us what is the best way for us today, in this moment, this week, this month, this season of our lives? So be honest about your fears and bring them to the Lord. Another way that we can embrace a more unhurried family life is to build margin into your day. Plan for interruptions. My husband, uh, when he graduated from college, the, the speaker who gave the, you know, the talk, I think it was a professor who gave the speech at his uh, cer uh, graduating ceremony, said this, arrange your life so you're never 
in a hurry. Isn't that interesting? And, and that's not saying that you'll never be in a hurry. Obviously, that's not realistic. There are times that's going to happen. I really think when it comes down to it, um, the, the unhurry that I'm talking about in this particular podcast is an unhurry of the heart. You can be physically getting things done quickly, but your heart can be at peace. Um, so this is a, an unhurried heart. So he said, arrange your life so you're never in a hurry. This is one of the ways that we can embrace a more unhurried family life. Give yourself more margin in the day. Um, I remember when I was uh, sort of needing to lay out a family schedule for our family because I think I was pregnant with my sixth and I just realized I was not going to be able to do this without more thought and intention. I couldn't wing it anymore. I couldn't just be spontaneous. I couldn't figure it out as I went along. I needed a little more of a plan um, because our oldest was, I think, nine at the time. And so I worked on this uh, the schedule. And, and actually, that's one of the topics at some of the conferences that I'm speaking at is I'm, I'm showing moms how to create a family schedule. But one of the things that um, I really tried to do was to leave margin. And what I mean by that is when I planned um, kind of a big block of time to check the kids' chores, I, you know, I, I would plan this block of time and then I would add another 15 minutes to it because it gave me the opportunity um, to be able to do it well, to be able to engage in conversation with my kids, to not be uh, short with them because I was in a hurry to get to the next thing or we or we were going to be behind. The, the, see how the the rushing and uh, the rushing and then the the panic and the fear all sets in so quickly, and that's what I was trying to avoid. So I would put margin in there so that if a child needed discipline during that time, I could take my time and slow down and do uh, what God was putting put. In, had put in front of me, do it well with thoughtfulness and with intention. So build margin in your day, plan for interruptions. It's, it's a mindset, you guys. That's really what it is. Now, leaving margin, obviously, like I said before, isn't going to waylay everything, but it's certainly going to help keep you from being in a hurry um, more of the time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you do that. So this is also the reason that I approached our homeschooling the way I did. Um, as you can imagine, life with eight kids was could be crazy. It, 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 you know, everything could be going really well, and then it could go from zero to 130 seconds, right? So um, there were just always needs. There were things that needed to happen. There were needs that were needing to be met, um, different things that would come up. But I believed that God was sovereign over our family. He was sovereign over our family size. He was sovereign over um, the order that the kids came into our family, the part that each of them played. And that was really important because it helped me embrace the seasons that we were in because, you know, as you probably well know as a homeschooling mom, the seasons continually change. You'll be in one season for a while and then things will change and then you have to sort of like regroup for that season. That's the ebb and flow of family life. That's the ebb and flow of homeschooling. 
But I wanted to be sure that I could be engaged with the kids, that I could, um, you know, enjoy them and to engage um, just a, a solid, cohesive, healthy family life. And that's why I um, made sure that we had margin in our day. I wanted to be able to be that mom. And you know, guys, I'm just going to say, I was not a perfect mom, but I will say, I will say this, that I believe that leaving margin in my day was a God-led thing. And because of that, I was better able to become, to be more of the mom that I believed that God called me to be. And it's why I approached our homeschooling the way that I did. I wanted our kids to have time to understand what it looked like to have margin in your day, to understand what balance looked like. Um, And so the way that we approached homeschooling then was to make sure that the basics always got done every day, that that was just sort of like a non-negotiable math, reading, and writing every day. And sometimes, you know, God would allow us to add more things into the day, but um, especially in the elementary years, we just made sure that those things got done and we left them margin in the afternoons to pursue their interests, which often involved exposure and experiences and reading about his historical and scientific, you know, history and science. So we didn't have like a a curriculum per se um, during the elementary years. We sort of let them explore and experiment history and science um, on their own for the most part. Or we would, you know, be doing something together as a family, you know, pruning trees. There's science in that. Working in a garden, there's science in that. You know, everyday life has science and often... uh, there's history that we can tie in just as we're walking along the way and having conversation. So um, to keep that whole sort of unhurried approach and to embrace a more unhurried family life, I felt like God was just calling us to that simplicity, especially in the elementary years. And then we slowly, um, in, in junior high or high school, we would add history and science curriculum. But you know, by then our kids were a lot more mature, independent, uh, their minds were developed, they were able to sort of embrace um, and, and um, really take in and absorb more of those um, principles of science and history. Because we know, I mean, I don't know how much science and history you remember from grade school, but I basically remember none. I remember a lot more from high school because our brains are a lot more developed by then. Um, but back to the, the the point, the point was that I wanted to embrace a more unhurried family life. That required simplicity in our homeschooling and sort of an ease in our homeschooling and margin in our day. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know God led me to do that. That's what he had for our family. He may be leading your family differently. I'm sharing my experience because it's just that. It's my experience. And also to show you that as you listen for the Lord's voice and you walk in obedience to Him, I can attest to the fact that He is faithful because there were so many days I thought, I don't know if this is going to work. Is this enough? Am I really doing enough? Even though I felt like God was leading me to do that, I would doubt myself. And so I would go back to the Lord and say, Lord, what is it? What is it? You know, is this enough? I'm feeling like maybe it's not. You know, can you please show me? And God would inevitably bring me back around to the story of the loaves and the fishes in the Bible. 
And he would remind me that I wasn't working in, in the world's economy. I was working in God's economy. I was working on kingdom principles, not worldly principles. And in his kingdom, the little bit, the scanty little bits of loaves and fishes that I brought him, he was perfectly capable of taking and multiplying and making them more than enough. He did that, moms. I'm telling you, I'm 24 years down the road and I can tell you he did exactly that. We serve a faithful God. We don't have to be rushing around. We don't have to be frantic. We don't have to be comparing ourselves to others. Comparisons and distractions are the thief of joy, but they also take away our purpose. We lose our sense of purpose. And we want to be sure that we are homeschooling with purpose. We are not homeschooling for performance. We are homeschooling with purpose. And whatever performance God has for our kids will be born out of that purpose, walking in that purpose that God has for our family. So the third reason, or the third way that we can embrace a more uh, unhurried family life, and this is really important, moms, guard your family's time together. Be prayerful about what outside activities you get involved in. There are outside activities that are fabulous. They're wonderful. I'm not saying you shouldn't do them, but be prayerful. Talk to your husband about uh, whether or not he thinks it's a good idea because there's times I thought something was a great idea and I'd run it by my husband and he would point out certain things that I had kind of forgotten about. He would say, oh, you know, but what about this, this, and this? I think this might throw the rhythm off in our home and take away our peace as a family. And so then we would decide not to do it. And because we were taking that more unhurried approach, that was uh, one of the filters that we used. Now, sometimes we went through seasons of busyness where our kids would be involved in drama and we'd be running them back and forth to rehearsals. And But it was for a season and we would always go back to finding that uh, more unhurried rhythm again. That was, the ex- that was the rule, not the exception. One of the ways that we can guard our family's time together is to eat dinner together. I can't tell you how important this is. Now, again, there are seasons and sometimes there are nights when it just isn't gonna work. But if you can, as a rule, not just the exception, eat dinner together, I can't tell you the conversations that we've had over dinner. Political conversations, economic conversations. My, my husband, I, I think he taught an entire economics class um, f- at the dinner table just over the years through all the different conversations, the things that come up at the, com- at the dinner table, um, maybe the conflicts that are going on that need to be resolved. Uh, we find out how the kids' days were going. We find out what's in their hearts. We ask questions. You know, I like to say, especially if you have o- older kids, not only eat dinner together, but linger when you can. You know, sometimes you need to excuse the younger ones because they're getting a little restless. And I remember when all of our kids were young, um, I prefer not to linger at the table. But as they began to get older, lingering at the table lent itself to some very amazing conversations. And some people, you know, maybe some kids 
didn't participate and they'd just get up and leave and that was totally fine, but maybe others were totally engaged. And so it's just a wonderful place to come together as a family and to bond and to, um, to just be together. So, you know, the other thing that we, I want to mention this, uh, basic manners were learned at the table as well. And I remember our sons used to say, why do I need to worry about that? Why do I need to worry about that manner? And I would say to them, you know, someday you might be wanting to marry a young lady who comes from a family that is, you know, has more manners, is more... um, aware of those things. And although you may not need these particular manners in every situation, you're going to be glad that you know these things when you're put in that situation. You're going to be glad you know you can do it. And so we would talk about that. Um, Like I said, sometimes the kids would fight and well, then that was an opportunity to talk about, uh, you know, conflict resolution and what that looked like, what the Bible had to say about about how to work things out with one another. Um, There were storytelling going on. My husband and I would tell stories about when we were kids, which our kids loved. But, you know, also there was critical thinking that happened at the table, you know, where we would just be able to dive in deeper and, like, like I said before, linger and tear some, you know, some subjects apart and really go deep with them. So I just want to encourage you to do that. But that's one way you can do that, being prayerful about uh, the outside activities that you get involved in. I'm sure there's probably already things like rolling around in your mind that maybe you already do that help guard your family's time together and and make your family more cohesive. Um, Think about those things. What are the things that you do as a family that bring you together? Make sure that you're protecting that. Because in all of this, More often than not, it's in these moments, the moments of lingering and not rushing to the next thing, that truly amazing things happen. Things of the heart, things that can't be bought or conjured up, you know, or rushed into being. We have the opportunity of a lifetime when we homeschool our kids. As as you know, my husband and I are now looking back, we can tell you that we have not one regret for all the unhurried time spent with our kids, and neither will you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for the reminder to slow our hearts down, God, and to get in rhythm with your heartbeat for our family. Father, show us what that looks like, Father. It's going to look a little different and sometimes very different for each family listening, Lord. But I pray that you would open up hearts and minds and ears, Lord, to hear and see and to receive from you what you have um, for each family listening, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us, for your faithfulness, for the way that you love us, for the way that you take care of us, for the way that you protect us and provide for us so that we don't have to be in a hurry so that we can slow down and be present. Thank you again, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.